Welcome to today's episode of Barbecue Sauce. I'm your host, Kale Smith. Before we dive into the show, let me just give you the update on what's happening with sports right now. So, first off, Russell Westbrook is test positive with coronavirus. That's just shocking. One of the uh, Rockets' top players, and especially with this bubble that the NBA is in, he will not be able to play for two weeks. So then we have next we have Derrick Henry. He finally gets his contract. He will not be holding out anymore. Fifty million on his contract. And then speaking of contracts, Miles Garrett will get an extension. After last seen on the field, he hit Mason Rudolph in the head with a helmet. And then the Washington NFL franchise will no longer be called the Redskins. Name still is in is undecided yet of what they will be called. And then next, MLS has returned. Uh, obviously, no fans, uh, only just the players and broadcast coach and staff. So, I'm just glad that sports are back. And then finally, NHL is still in question of a continued season. I mean, I've seen articles. Uh, they said if they do go back to a continued season, it'll probably just be a playoff or a bubble like the NBA. So that's what's the latest with now starting with the show. So today, <clears throat> I did a lot more digging for stats in this one. So the, the the title of today's topic for the NFL is teams that should tank for Trevor. And people know who, who don't know who Trevor is. Name is Trevor Lawrence, quarterback at uh, Clemson University. Mocked to be the first draft of the Jaguars, but here are my four teams that uh, should take for tra- that should tank for Trevor. Number one, uh, this really isn't a surprise. We have the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, Gardner Minshew stats from this previous NFL season: 21 TDs to six interceptions, over 3,000 yards. Key players that he had on that offense were DJ Tark, Brandon Linder. Leonard Fournette, and then they brought in Tyler Eifert. Their offensive line rank was 21. They drafted uh, Lavisca Chenette, a wide receiver from Colorado. Their defensive rank was 17 this year. Uh, Their projected record, I believe, if they did take Trevor Lawrence, would be 6-10 in Trevor Lawrence's rookie season. So they wouldn't be too bad with Lawrence, but they would still have to make a lot more improvements from what they have right now. Number two, this was kind of an interesting one. I put down the Detroit Lions. Uh, yes, they have Matthew Stafford, but if he if Stafford does have a healthy season, and if they do start winning, that just like the Lions should not be tanking. But this is for if either Stafford plays bad or gets hurt. Uh, we'll get to some stats. When Stafford was healthy, his QB record while he was healthy was 3, 4, and 1. 19 TDs to 5 interceptions. Only had 2,499 yards complete. Uh, his completion rate was 62%. Uh, his, and then, now we have David Blau's stats. Uh, 3 for 984 yards, 4 TDs to 6 interceptions, which really isn't the best. Uh, his completion rate was uh, 50%. QB record, he was 0-5, so he did not win a game on the Lions. So the key weapons that Lawrence will have, if, if, 
if they make no moves in free agency, which there will definitely be some moves that they make. But since it's not 2021 yet, here's what he'll have. He'll have Kenny, Gall Kenny Galladay, Marvin Jones Jr., Geronimo Allison, Danny Amendola, all receivers. Frank Regno, their center. And that's really about it. Their offensive rank wasn't too bad. It was about a 17. It says 17. Offensive line rank was 15. Defensive rank 26. Where I expect that to go up higher this year. But they drafted like, a lot of key pieces in the draft. They drafted uh, DeAndre Swift, who had over a thousand rushing yards and seven TDs at Georgia. And then the, the projected record if the Lions do draft Trevor Lawrence in his rookie season. I believe they would go nine and seven, no playoffs. Uh, but they do make a huge improvement from what they will do this year. So then my third one, this is gonna change a little bit. The Patriots were on this one. Now they have Cam Newton, which I think will work out. But if the Cam Newton thing doesn't work out, uh, then they should definitely tank. But I only put down Jared Stidham's stats because I made these notes before the the signing. So Jared Stidham's college stats. 18 TDs, 5 interceptions, 2,794 yards, which is a bit concerning. Completion rate of 60%. Offensive rank was a 7. The defensive rank was a 1. So that'll be key for Trevor Lawrence. And then his key weapons, they're basically their whole offensive line. I expect to get a lot better if they do draft Trevor Lawrence. And then skilled position players you have. Joe Edelman, Muhammad Sanu Sr., Sonny Michelle, if James White stays in. And then key offensive draft pieces that they did take. Uh, Devin Asiasi, uh, tight end from UCLA, and then Dalton Keene, another tight end. So they have four tight ends on that roster now. So uh, Ryan Izzo, Matt LaCrosse, and then the two rookies. So uh, I expect one of the rookies to to take the starting job, especially with Newton in there. I think that uh, Dalton Keene, I watched his film from UCLA. He did pretty good with a running, basically running quarterback with quarterback at UCLA. So the projected record with Trevor Lawrence, I would have to give it 10-6. and six. People are going to argue this one that it should be higher. I mean... If you really look at the weapons that they have, I mean, Julian Edelman is getting up there, so is Muhammad Sanu. James White, he may not even be with the team, especially when his contract runs out this year. So, uh, so, uh, and then it's going to take the Titans some time to get used to the NFL. So they would go 10 and 6. They would make a wild card breath, especially with there being 7 seeds. They'd probably get like the 6 or 7. So they wouldn't be too bad, but if they do get uh, Trevor Lawrence, they're going to go. Pretty far. They're going to be pretty good. And then finally, this one's the most shocking one of all. Well, I shouldn't say shocking, but I put down the Chicago Bears. Now, this one has changed a lot, especially with Prescott now being able to find a deal. So, if Prescott does find a deal, this is, this is how I think it would happen. So, Mitch Trubisky stats in the previous year, 3,138. Yards, 17 TDs, 10 interceptions, completion rate of 56%. Offensive rank was only a 29, uh, really because of Trubisky. Uh, their offense, their defensive rank was four. Their their defense is never going to get bad. And on the key weapons that Lawrence will have, 
uh, David Montgomery, Tariq Cohen, if he just des- if he decides to stay with Chicago, Allen Robinson, Anthony Miller, and Jimmy G- Graham, and then the key draft pieces that they drafted from this previous draft on the offensive side. Cole Komet, tight end from Notre Dame, taken at the 43rd pick. Uh, that was a questioning pick, especially bringing Jimmy Graham for two, three more years. Darnell Mooney, that was a pick I really liked. I think he'll be a big contributor at the wide receiver position from Tulane. So then the projected record if the Bears do draft Trevor Lawrence the next year, they I would have to say they get a big 11-5 and win the division either win or tie the division, so they will always make a big jump if they do have Trevor Lawrence, but uh, time tells, we're going to see. It may not even be any of the four teams I were listed down. It could be a different team that we had no idea was going to need a new quarterback. So now on, on to MLB. They were, the season actually continues. It's actually going to start very soon on the 25th or 20 on the 25th and some teams start on the 26th. So what I wanted to do here, I wanted just to give out my projected records for for the NL next episode. It'll be AL. So for the NL East, uh, teams in the NL East, Braves, Nationals, World Series champs, Mets, Phillies, and Marlins. So I'm number one seed. Uh, this was, I had a little bit question either to put the Nats or Braves here, but I did give the Braves and it's not really close. The Braves do get, I put them down as a 49-11 record. The power that that team has, they're going to be something special. One of the teams who I think will be, make it to the World Series, if not this year, next year. Uh, the key pieces that they have, Freddie Freeman, Ronald Acuna, Ozzy Albies, Josh Donaldson was gone, which I think was a big piece. So, this team is still good, and I expect them to exceed their expectations. Now we, now this is where things get interesting for the NLEs. I have the Nationals and the Mets tying for records, both at 36 and 24, and I'll explain that reason in just a moment. So we have the Nationals. I'll explain why the Mets are tied with them, but first let me get to the Nationals. Uh, 2019 World Series champions being the Astros and seven. Uh, they're going to have a little bit of a drop-off, especially with there only being 60 games. and So I expect uh, the Nationals to have a bit of a drop-off. Uh, they did lose some key pieces, but they filled them right back in. They lost Anthony Rendon, which was big, filled it right back in. Uh, maybe see Ryan Zimmerman a little bit of third, because they did bring in Earl Thomas from a Earl Thomas from uh, Milwaukee. So then, I believe the, so they're gonna go 36 and 24. I think the pitching could be a little bit better. I mean, I like Strasburg and Scherzer. I'm not really a big fan of uh, Aaron Sanchez. I believe his name is. I'm not just a big fan of him. And then uh, John Ross. I don't know what they're doing with him. So then now I got the Mets here. The Mets. I put them here because um, well, this team. You never know what they're going to do. I mean, if this team, I either thought this team was going to be pretty decent or not going to do good at all because you don't know what the Mets. So I had them at 36 and 24 just because of, like, their bench is like one of the best. Uh, on that bench, they have Don Smith, J.D. Davis. Well, maybe one of those two will play left field because 
Uh, they do have the DH now, which will be a big factor for any team now. So, um, and then they do have Ioannis Cespedes returning to the lineup. I don't think he'll make as big as an impact as he did in 2015, but will have still have a big impact on this year. Just a little bit of a drop-off. And I think that, uh, their pitchers are going to be motivated. Noah Syndergaard out for the season with time. So, I did put the... Matthew here at 36 and 24. At least have Ace Jacob DeGrom coming back. And, uh... That's going to be a big key factor for them. Especially... And with Marcus Stroman. I think out of both the... Yank I think he out both out of all New York sports, no matter what it is. Stroman has the biggest thing on his back. Because his contract will run up this year. And will he be able to prove that he should stick around long term with this Mets organization. So I think Stroman will be motivated and will have a good season. So there, that's why the... And then they have big bats coming back. Uh, Michael Conforto, Pete Alonso, Probably the best rookie season I've seen in a very long time. And... Uh, so this team can is full of special things, so this is why I think they're going to make a playoff run this year. Next, at fourth, we have the Philadelphia Phillies at 25 and 35. This Phillies team, they're just a big mess right now. I did like them bringing in Joe Girardi, though. I think he'll shape things up, especially... Like, this Gabe Kapler was not the right fit for the Phillies last year, so... Key pieces that the Phillies do have coming back, really, Bryce Harper and Reese Hoskins. They overpaid for Zach Wheeler in free agency. Their pitching could be better. They have Jason Vargas and uh, Zach Wheeler. Wheeler, you don't know if he's going to be healthy or not, and Vargas just isn't good. But uh, this team, they could go out if Bryce Harper has a big year. He really didn't last year. So if Harper can go out and be big, then this Phillies team is going to be good. And then finally, we have the Miami Marlins. The Miami Marlins, I have them going 13-47. Uh, this team is still rebuilding. Uh, they're going to be good in the future, though. So, really, the only key piece they have coming back is Sandy Alcantara and uh, Brian Anderson. So, this Marlins team, they're not going to be very good. I bet you they'll have the first pick in the draft. They'll be get him whoever they choose a good selection for next year's not this year's but next year's draft so the marlins they're not going to be very good again but in if you give them like a couple of seasons they're going to be good again next on to the end of central we have the milwaukee brewers uh st louis cardinals chicago cubs uh cincinnati reds and pittsburgh pirates in this division uh Number at the top seat of the division, it was very close between the Brewers and the Cardinals for me. But I did put the Brewers just because of this team is good. Returning is Christian Yelich, who I think should have won the MVP last year. So uh, Yelich is going to be good. Again, especially, I think he'll be more motivated to keep one to get that MVP, which I think was stolen from him. So uh, this. And they have Brian Woodruff, who I think is going to have a great season as pitching, pitching too. Next, we have the St. Louis Cardinals at 38 and 22. This Cardinals team, they're, I think they're going to make a big playoff run. They're going to start from the wild card and just go, go, go. And eventually, maybe possibly making it to the uh, conference, or yeah, the NLCS. So... 
This team has Yadier Molina coming back, uh, Paul Goldschmidt. They have lots of big bats on this team, so this team could be good. The pitching rotation, that's one of my favorites. Could be a little bit better, though, but, I mean, I still think it's playoff caliber pitching, though. So this Cardinals team, don't be surprised if they do actually win the NLC Central Division. Next, I do have the St. Louis Cardinals. Or, excuse me, the Chicago Cubs. They have a, they'll have a 500 record at 30 and 30. This team, uh, if they can stay healthy, they'll be a lot better returning key players. Chris Bryant, Anthony Rizzo, Ben Zobris, if he stays healthy, he'll be good. Uh, this team, I don't think they're going to be able to make it to the playoffs this year. I think they're just going to have a bit of a drop-off. I really didn't like what they did in the draft. So, um, this team's going to have a drop-off this year, but I think they'll be more motivated next season to get to win the NL Central. So next, these two teams really don't have a chance, in my opinion. Well, I shouldn't say they don't have a chance, because next I have the Cincinnati Reds, who could be good, but I just have them at 22 and 38. Reasoning, they don't have all the key pieces in place. They have Ace, Luis Castillos, uh... Trevor Bauer, I like their pitching. Their pitching is definitely playoff caliber. But they did lose it. And Joey Votto, if he can be productive. He's getting up there in age. But if he can be productive, this Reds team is going to be a lot better. Then finally, we have the Pittsburgh Pirates at 20 and 40. The Pirates are just going to have... They're not ready yet for to be playoff contenders. They do have... a. Brian Reynolds and Josh Bell, the two leaders that they expect to be even possibly captains in the future. So this Pirates team, they're in a bit of a rebuilding mode, but they're going to be good, like what I said about the Marlins. Just give them a few seasons, and this NL Central division is going to be very, very close. So finally, in the MLB, we have the NL West. That's the division consists of Giants, Rockies, Padres, D-backs, and the Dodgers. So first in the NLS winning the divisions, really a no-brainer. I have the uh, Los Angeles Dodgers at 51-9. This Dodgers team is loaded with weapons. Cody Bellinger, Max Muncy, Mookie Betts, uh, David Price, Clayton Kershaw, if he can be productive, Walker Buehler. This Dodgers team is good, and the, it's in my opinion, it's going to come down to the Dodgers and Braves in the NLCS. So secondly, we have the Arizona Diamondbacks at 36 and 24. This Diamondbacks team is going to have a big major jump this season. I think Wilmer Flores is going to have a big breakout season for them. Or, no, excuse me, Wilmer Flores is now a giant. But I believe that uh, Starlin Marte for this D-backs team is going to have a very MVP caliber type season. Maybe one in the MVP race. So this uh, D-backs, D-backs team could be very, very good. And a potential wild card team for me. So next we have the San Diego Padres at 29-31. I love what the Padres are doing. They're just not there yet at playoff caliber talent. I had them going 29-31. A little bit over, uh, a little bit under 500. But with uh, Fernando Tatis, he's going to have a very, very good year this year, in my opinion. And bringing Juan Lagares, it wasn't really a flashy move, but I kind of liked it. They really didn't need some outfield help. And then uh, Chris Paddock, he's going to he's gonna start becoming their ace again. Uh, Chris Paddock is a very dynamic pitcher. So this 
this Padres team could be very good this year. Next, we have the Colorado Rockies going 27 and 33. Uh, I mean, they have Charlie Blackman and Nolan Arenado. That's not enough for the Rockies. But they are going to be good, especially if they. I liked what they did in the draft. Uh, one of the best draft picks this year. So this Rockies team is going to be good very, very soon. Even my opinion on potential uh, playoff, or maybe even if they do, could like everything clicks this year, they could be in the playoffs. Then fifth, we have the Giants. They're just not going to be good. Really, only have Brandon Crawford, who I don't think can really lead a team. But uh, the Giants are starting a rebuilding, starting to rebuild. So uh, they're gonna. I liked what they did. Bring, I don't. I did not like what they did. Not bringing Cade Kapler. He's not a very good manager. Always getting ejected. So I don't get what the Giants are doing there. But uh, if everything can click, there'll be decent. So next we are going on to the NBA, and I had a like topic about the Lakers too. Then I completely changed it to who I would have picked in the 1984 draft if I was a GM. So how the real picks went, uh, Hakeem Aljua number one, Sam Bowie two, and MJ went third. That was a top three. But my first picks were, would have gone number one, Hakeem Aljua, number two, Charles Barkley, and finally at third, Michael Jordan. I'll get to that reasoning first. Let me just go over the stats. So Michael Jordan's career stats, he had 1,000... Uh, so 1,072 games with 30 points, 30.1 points, 6.2 rebounds, 5.3 assists. That was his whole career stats. He won six championships, which was very good, and a ton of MVPs. Next, Charles Barkley. Uh, games, just a game ahead of Jordan. 1,073 points, 22.1. Rebounds, 11.7. He does average a double-double, so that's what I like to see. Then his assist, he had average 3.9. So, Charles Barkley, I mean, the scoring could have been better, but he was a big man, so I liked it. He had eight seasons with Philly, uh, four seasons with uh, Phoenix, and then four seasons with Houston. Now Hakeem Olajuwon stats, games 1,238, uh, points 21.8, rebounds 11.1, and assists 2.5. So he did have uh, 17 seasons with Houston, one season with Toronto, championships too. Barkley had no championships. So here's the reasoning why I would have took Olajuwon first, then Barkley, then MJ. Hakeem Olajuwon, I... Uh, he he only did win two championships. Didn't have a very good team around him that was both. He was main, really the main guy, but he still was able to lead him to two championships. So MJ, uh, I wouldn't have picked him because of all the drama that he had, uh, his gambling, his golfing. Uh, he wasn't a player that I would have trusted, but he would have gotten it done. And Akeem Olajuwon really didn't have any of those problems, so that's just why I really take them. Then Charles Barkley, he's just a beast. Um, uh, Charles Barkley, I think, can just like he if he had a good he had good teams around him. It's just that he did play with Jordan and Olajuwon, so his team was a little bit below. And then I would have taken Jordan third because he's. Michael Jordan, and uh, he did win six championships. I and I still think that Jordan's the number one player of all time. Still, though, 
I'll get to that. And then in the next episode, I'm going to get to who my top three all-time NBA players are. So, uh, stay tuned for that. So, um, this is why I would have taken Hakeem Olajuwon first. I mean, it's just because of the drama. If I was a GM, I wouldn't want any of that. So, next... Oh, yeah, and I, for my fourth pick would have been John Stockton because he is just, he is, in my opinion, he is the best assist man that there is out there. So now, uh, for the NHL, this is going to be a very quick topic. Uh, it's about Wayne Gretzky, why I think he's the best player of all time and why most people think he's the best NHL player of all time. So his stats, uh, he had played nine years with Edmonton, eight years with the Kings, and three years with Rangers. He had... One thousand. He played in 1,487 games. First all-time in goals at 894. First all-time in assists with 1,963 of assists. Then first all-time in points with 2,587. And then his career plus-minus was 520. He had four championships, all with or four Stanley Cups, all with Edmonton, back to back to back years. So there's really no explaining I have to do. I mean. Wayne Gretzky is obviously the best of all time. So, um, Gretzky deserves the credit that he does deserve. I mean, I mean, and just the categories all across, first all time. I mean, he's very, very, very good. So next, uh, my, our final topic for today's episode. I, I brought, I saw a topic on... Fox Sports. They broke down the five best coaches of all time for the FBS college football. But I decided to do the five best coaches who I would want if I wanted to go to a championship. So uh, at number five, this is a very big shocker, but I picked Nick Saban at number five. Uh, previous season with Alabama, 11-2. and two. Uh, His all-time record was 152-23. His bowl game records are 12 and 5. He did coach the Miami Dolphins for a little bit. But the only reason, I mean, Nick Saban is, and I still think Nick Saban's the best college coach of all time. But Nick Saban, he, he can lead his team. His teams, that division, though, I mean, Nick Saban did not have a very good season. I mean, he did all he could. I. I gave I still give him credit for that, but um, they didn't they weren't able to take down teams like Auburn. I mean I I have I th- when that game came up I thought Alabama was gonna win right by him and get ready for the uh, college semifinals, but obviously that did not work out. And then losing to LSU was big too. So fourth I put Ed Ogeron head coach LSU last season. Uh, his team went 15 and 0. They did win the national championship. His all-time record was 56 and 36, and in bowl games he's 44 and 1. So uh, Ed Ogeron, I would have moved him up higher, but these three coaches that I do have next, these coaches are going to be good. But Ed Ogeron, if he can continue that success, I mean his record, eh, it's all right. I mean, a lot of the success will goes to Joe, or a lot of the credit goes to Joe Burrow and Justin Jefferson and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. But Ed Ogeron was able to win a national championship, so I give the credit to him. And this is where things start getting interesting. At third, I put Ryan Day. I know people are going to disagree with this, but I'm saying I should put like Ogeron or Saban there, especially. But if you look at his stats, or if you look at his uh, 
numbers. Uh, last season, he went 13 and one. His all-time record was 16 and one because he did fill in with for Urban Meyer for a few weeks as Urban Meyer got suspended for Ike for. Uh, he just got suspended, and but his bowl game record is 0-1. They did lose to Clemson this year in the college semifinal. But Ryan Day, he's gonna have plenty of success. They, I like what Ohio State does with recruiting. They're, in my opinion, they're they uh, are the second best school in recruiting, and my first best school at recruiting is coming up. But um, this team is like. This Ohio State team is like a unit and a family. This team clicks. Ryan Day is one of the best head coaches out there. Uh, was the offensive coordinator, now head coach. I think Ryan Day is going to be able to stick with this team for a very long time. <clears throat> At my second coach, I'd want to win a national championship with. I put Lincoln Riley, head coach of Oklahoma. Last season, won 12-2. and uh, Got blown out by LSU in the uh, semifinals. Uh his all-time record coaching is 36 and 6, and then his bowl games are 0 and 3, which does kind of concern me a little bit. But uh, look at the—he had to face great teams. They always get the four seed and win the semifinals. They had to play LSU, who was the best team in uh, all the football. So uh, Lincoln Riley—he did lose them some games. I mean, that game against—he did win them a lot of games, lose lost him a lot of games. I think it was bad play calling by Oklahoma during that semifinal game, but he also won that game against Baylor where they did come back at halftime. So Lincoln Riley, he can either be good or bad, and the bowl games do concern me, but he's still a very young coach. And then number one, I put Dabo Sweeney. Uh, last season went 14-1 and one. regular in the regular season. Uh, uh, All-time record is 130 and 31, which is about right there. Nick Saban and bowl games are 10 and 6 with those. But Dabo Sweeney, he's the number one coach. I'd wanna put a if I was, and I believe Clemson's the number one recruiting school. Uh, they got commit Brian Breeze, who I think is the number one football player in all of America. So Dabo Sweeney, he's been coaching for a very long time he gets he does a great job of recruiting that scout team there's recruiting he has always has great assistance so this so I put Dabo Sweeney here because they're my favorites to win a championship this year and for the next upcoming 10 years so that's today's episode of barbecue sauce thanks for tuning in uh have a good day goodbye